So good morning, friends. Okay, let's get one thing out of the way. It's true, I won't be on staff here at Bethesda, and I will no longer be working in kids' ministry because I have another opportunity. I'm going to be working with our sons, Peggy and my son, um, Grant and Jack. Jack is 19 years old, and Grant just turned 22 last week. And we have a home remodeling company, and we are already having work scheduled several months into the new year. So they need my, kids, do you remember what we said? They need my what? Sage? My help. That's right, thanks. They need my help to get it all done. And so, in case you didn't know, for 20 years before I came into work here at the church in 2006, as Pastor Pat said, um, I worked in remodeling. So that's the plan. And it came together, like Pastor Pat said, after months of thinking and praying and talking to wise people and looking for good advice. And now here we are on a day um, where I'm looking forward to one thing, but I'm also looking back fondly on something that I really did truly love to do for 35 years, a year after I got out of high school. And that was teaching kids about Jesus and the incredible stories from the Bible. I mean, I've seen the light bulb turn on in a kid's eyes when they realize the connection between Jonah and Jesus. I've seen kids come down to the altar by the dozens to give their hearts to Jesus. I've seen Lord work in marriages and families. I've seen teenagers open up in front of their peers, sharing something personal at at an open mic night at camp. I've seen kids who sat in our Sunday school class when... We just started teaching, but I've seen them grow up and get water baptized and start careers and get married and have kids of their own. I've seen many even go on as ministers and worship leaders and Sunday school teachers, nursery workers, and youth pastors even. And I've even seen an old abandoned treehouse turn into a place where hundreds of people, both kids and adults, learned a little bit more about Jesus Christ and God's love for us. So it's definitely been a privilege to work with people on staff here at Bethesda and to minister to the countless families that I have over the years. And throughout all of that, I wouldn't have been able to do hardly any of it uh, without my wife, Peggy. So if I could have Peggy stand up for a second. She's going to kill me for that, but uh, I wanted to really take the opportunity to thank my wife um, publicly for walking alongside me, um, being my girl, and throughout this whole uh, incredible journey. So, um, well, I know I came here for something more, but these are all my notes that I have. So this is really embarrassing. I feel like I always do this every Sunday morning. I forget what I came here to talk about. But what? What? 
Miss McGillicuddy, but this is, we're not up in Kings Island. You think Miss McGillicuddy could help today? Go, uh, go up, Mr. Miss, okay, we got a place up in Kings Island, Miss McGillicuddy, where she stays there. But it seems like every week it's a different Miss McGillicuddy. <clears throat> I don't know, maybe it could work. Maybe if we just call her, because I don't, like, look at all the doors. Which door would I even knock on? How about we do this? How about we just yell her name and see if she answers? Can we try that? <clears throat> everybody, and I think I'll need everybody's help. We all need to call Miss McGillicuddy on the count of three. We'll try one, two, three. Miss McGillicuddy! <laughs> Um, we might have to say it a little louder. She's sometimes sleeping. Let's try it one more time. One, two, three. Miss McGillicuddy! Give her a sec, she says. Uh, okay. I don't know what to do while I'm waiting, Miss McGillicuddy. Oh. What? Are you Miss McGillicuddy for today? Do I look that old to you? That's my grandma. Forgive me. Um, well, I'm just glad you had my stuff here. So thank you. Hopefully I'll be able to rifle through here and remember what we're supposed to talk about. I'm going to go back and watch my movies. Oh, she's got some movies to watch. Teenagers these days. <clears throat> she must be a Miss McGillicuddy maybe. All right, so let's find out. I, I, I had the rest of my notes all gone. Now let's see what I can find. Let's start with, okay, my computer. There's my notes. Okay, so we can keep talking here. Um, oh, the word of the day. Let's see what the word of the day is. Legacy. Can you say that together? Legacy, all right, and of course, very important, my Bible, yes, very good, and a, another paper chain, and some scissors, hmm, I will find out, I don't know, we're going to get to see, and I got something else in here. Weird. Okay, we'll find out what's going on with that in a few minutes. But first, I need all the kids to stand up. If you have ever been in Kings Island or if for many years ago you have been in Kings Island, I need you up. All to stand up. I need you to stand up. We're going to try this. We'll see. Hopefully, hopefully this is going to work. Hopefully you'll know what I'm talking about. Oh, see, everybody's just kind of got the nervous smiles, I see. Uh, <laughs> but that's really cool to see everybody up there. Um, okay, so here's how it's going to go. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to point to you, and if you, can, if you know the answer, I need you to just yell it out, okay? So here's the, here's the first question. Who made the universe and everything in it? God. God. Okay, good. Very good. Good, good first answer. Who made you and formed you in your mom's belly? God, very good. If, if, if you're a grown-up and you need to, need to help the one next to him, just kind of whisper it to him if, you're, if they're not quite sure. Who fed 5,000 people with just two fish and five loaves of bread? 
Jesus, very good. Who healed people, even brought them back to life, and even told a storm to be quiet? Jesus, okay, good. You got your 100% so far. And who loves you so much that he died for you? You're, you're jumping the gun. You already know the answer. That's awesome. All right, now, everybody, I need you to look at me, kids. Look at Mr. Bob Susan, please, for a moment. Someday, there may be somebody who comes along and tells you that, that those things are not true. Somebody might come along and say, it's silly to trust in Jesus, but I beg you, don't believe them. Don't believe those lies, because what you've learned from this book and from your friends in, in Kings Island and from this pulpit here is true. And the best advice I can give you is to keep reading your Bible, keep loving and worshiping God, keep loving other people, even if they're hard to love or if they're different from you, keep loving them and keep on telling everybody you know about who? Because if you're part of Jesus's family, someday you're going to live where? In heaven for how long? Forever, thank you. Kids, you may be seated. Now, we did not, just for the record, we didn't practice that. I didn't know how that was going to go, but it did, came out okay. Now, so parents and grandparents and guardians and everybody else, you don't have to stand up. But um, today's hard question uh, in today's message is, Will it continue? And that's why uh, the word for the day is legacy. Think of legacy as, uh, you would, as what you would leave behind after they're gone. What's the legacy that you are leaving behind? That's the question for today. Will the thing that you think is important continue in your kids? In your grandkids? I can tell you actually, yes, the thing that you think is important will continue in your kids, but will what continues in them matter eternally? If your focus is the pursuit of money and more and more and more, that is very likely what will continue in them. If there's a disconnectedness that's modeled at home in the form of maybe what's on your screen is more important than the person who's in the room with you, that's probably going to continue in their lives. <clears throat> if harsh words and a lack of control is portrayed, then that's what's going to continue. Or if a life of humble pursuit of the things of God is lived out, then that is very likely what's going to continue. So the answer to today's hard question is, yes, it will continue, but you get to decide what 
will continue. And admittedly, it's a bit of assumption, but since you're here in church today, it seems sensible to think that you want to learn more about God, maybe. Or maybe you want to learn what it means to live the life of a Christian. Or maybe you want to grow closer to this person named Jesus Christ. And if you're a parent, you may have started wondering, how does, that, how does my child fit into that framework? And I suggest that one of the main reasons you spend time learning and understanding and applying what you've learned from Sunday morning message and studying your Bible is so that you can fulfill the Great Commission within the four walls of your home. Start there first. Making disciples, as Jesus said, he said to all nations, but I think it's probably a good idea to start in home. Your home and your family come first. It's where you start. Will a legacy of faith continue? And this has been on my heart since I came on staff here. You as a parent are the best person for your kids to learn about Jesus. You have the most time with them, the most at stake, and you know your kids the best. Deuteronomy 6 says, you've probably heard this before from me, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments I give you are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. So right over here, I, I want to give you a visual demonstration for clarification to illustrate why it is so important to cultivate a legacy of faith in Jesus from generation to generation. Now let me just take a pause. If, if you're not a parent or grandparent or a guardian of someone young, stick with me because you're still part of this calling. You know, the Apostle Paul had no children of his own, nor was he ever married. But over and over again, he referred to those he wrote to as his children. And he viewed himself as a spiritual father to many people. And it can be the same with you. Because our spheres of influence always extend past our family. We have our neighborhoods, our workplace, our community groups. And all of those are opportunities to pass down your faith to that next generation. You don't have to be related to somebody to pass on your faith to them and pass that legacy on down. Pray to God for a clear, open door to share your faith. So I've created this paper chain sort of conglomeration to bring about a point. And here's what, here's sort of, our family, if, if you could come up and see, you would see that this is, this is me and this is Peggy and uh, we've got three generations going back in time and our kids and three or four generations going on beyond us. Uh, and a fun fact is that uh, I had two, both my sets of grandparents were missionaries to Central and South America. So that's kind of cool. And those, are, those people are represented here. And they, um, and that's all come, come down, and it's all sort of converged into the center here, and then that go, has gone on. Now, here's the thing that I've used, the reason I've used this paper chain, and it's funny because two of the three songs that we sang today talked about Jesus breaking chains. But I think sometimes analogies can be used in different ways, and that's what we're going to do today. Um, this, these are a link of, uh, it's kind of to 
show the fragility, how fragile the connection, our spiritual connection is from one generation to the next. I'm going to take this um, paper chain and I'm going to sort of illustrate this. Like there is, if you don't pass on your faith to the next generation, there's a risk that that next generation can be lost forever. And as you well know, and there goes that destructive force that, that's at work in our world, that all it seeks to do is tear down and disconnect and break the family down. There's very, li- there's very little hope for a legacy of faith from this generation to the ones that's fallen on the floor for that to be passed on to them. But what if we were intentional? What if we, in the context of our homes and in our various relationships outside the home, that what if we say to God, God, okay, I'm asking to partner with you. And can you please weave your thread of your son through our lives, through our families, from generation to generation, and go from one connection to another. And we ask God to bring this connection of Jesus through our families from one generation to another. And now here's what was, this is so great, because we have this all great, this great potential for what God can do in our lives. And here's Here's how, we, here's how we, it can go. And when I come along here with the same destructive force and I try and exert it in this same area, but with the connection of Jesus running through, I can use all my strength and yet the power of God keeps things together. Like this strong steel cable that runs through that's purposely colored red. For the blood of Jesus. And this, this power that runs, that if we call on God to ask him to intervene and be intentional in our family's lives, how much more power can, do, is, can be involved in our lives if we allow Jesus to work his work and strengthen our, the connections that we have so that they last eternally. So uh, I, I get it. We all come from different backgrounds. My parents brought me to church, you know, nearly every, every single week. They taught me the ways of Jesus uh, in both uh, in their words and their actions. But I know that's not everybody's story. I know uh, you might be saying, my, Mr. Rob Susan, my grandparents were not missionaries at all. In fact, some of you might even be thinking, I'm the first person in my family to ever step foot in the church. I'm the first one maybe to get baptized. You don't know where my pa- what my past is. I don't have this kind of colorful, wonderfully, beautifully depicted family tree. But here's what I say to that. That's not tragic. That's a triumph. The fact that you're here, that you made it, is good news for you 
in your household. And it doesn't matter whether you're a household of one or you've got tw- 10 that, you have, that you're responsible for. It's now your responsibility to lead your family in a better way. Looking back and saying, my past generations I had, yes, maybe it wasn't the most ideal. But there's only so much influence past generations can have on your present self. And it's you now have the opportunity to make things different in your life and in the people's lives that you are connected to. And it's not a secret formula or it's not some hidden secret thing that, we, that you have to do. It's just consistently living your life, pursuing Jesus as best as you can. It's staying part of your church. It's maintaining a friend group of other Jesus-following families and individuals who, so that you can rejoice when things go good and help each other up when things go bad. It's praying for your kids and also praying with your kids. Doing it privately for them, but also together as a family or a circle of friends that you get together and pray for each other and and take on each other's needs. Oh, and it's not living a life of perfection. Instead, it's a life of devotion uh, to the ways of God and living them out in front of our kids. And when we make mistakes, because we will, and that's okay, because when we mess up, let's instead apologize, own the things that we've done wrong, even with our own kids, and then show them what it looks like to be a humble, loving, repentant follower of Jesus Christ. The alternative is hypocrisy or just a disconnection, claiming you live one lifestyle, but you actually live something else. Or to quote a country song, we cuss on them Mondays and we pray on them Sundays. (laughs) When the adults in authority lead a hypocritical lifestyle, it breeds a cynical generation, sarcastic and embracing the opposite of what you would want them to do. And that's one of the major factors contributing to more than one million young people leaving the faith every single year. So I have two brief examples that I wanna tell you about about how this looks like IRL. That means in real life. I'm learning these little things. In real life, uh, Peggy and I had a friend, a couple, who, um, who had a son, who have a son, elementary age, and he was struggling, the son was. He was, he was, had, he was anxious, and things were go- weren't going well at home, uh, just at school, I should say, and the parents were just sort of, you know, at, at their wit's end about it. They didn't know what to do. They couldn't put their finger on what was really going on with their son, so they did all that they knew how to do is pray. So they got together as a couple and prayed, and then they deliberately decided to set aside some time each day at night before bed and pray with their son. And they prayed in the morning, asking how things were going on their, the way uh, to school and on the way back from school. And 
as time went on, the anxiety diminished all because of the time that they spent with God. That sounds a lot like Deuteronomy, right? When you wake up and when you go to bed and when you're walking down the road. Another story is about my mom. My mom's sitting over there. She has a cool red wheelchair. <laughs> she attends another church, so you might not always see her, but um, she visits here from time to time. Uh, she's had more, the, more of her share of hardships. She had a stroke around eight or nine years ago. Lost some left side mobility. She lost two husbands to long, drawn-out sicknesses. And I found out just recently, as a missionary kid, it was tough on a little girl and her sisters to have to go back and forth um, from Central America to the States and then living with different relatives back here in Ohio, back in Ohio. And not only that, she had me as a son. But despite all that, she and my dad brought us to church, and mostly here at Bethesda. And so just last week, I was catching up with some older friends who knew my parents really well uh, for many years, way back. And they were talking about my brother and sister and checking up on how we were doing and the rest of our family, and uh, including this job transition that I was making. And they suddenly asked, well, what about Lolly? That's my mom's name. Um, what's, what's Lolly doing in all this? And then, without thinking, I just blurted out, Lolly's praying for all of us. And everybody laughed uh, because, um, because it's, in a bit, it's a bit funny with, with all sort of the craziness going on. But, but I thought about it, and, it, and I realized that I just blurted it out because that's what she does. Despite all the difficulties and hardships, my mom has continued to pray for all of her family and a lot more people, too. Since all of her kids are at three different churches, she knows lots of people everywhere. And she saw her mother and her grandmother pray, and she continued to do so uh, as well. In fact, the other day, I was, went to visit my mom and check in on her, and uh, the neighbor was over as well, and she's, uh, I asked my mom, so mom, what's, what are you going to be doing today? And she says, oh, I'm going to be going to a prayer meeting. And the neighbor lady says, oh, that lady prays all the time. You should see this lady. She must be a saint by now. And I chuckled because that's true. My mom prays a lot. And so for those who are even struggling right now at this moment with the idea and thought that maybe your kids or maybe the connections with people that you've had, um, they're not living a life of faith, even though you think you've, you did everything right. I have one more, I guess, bonus story. Um, most of us know Steve and Robin Malik. And, you know, he, they're in charge of the uh, Gateway to Glory houses, which allow people um, who've come out of prison to make a smooth transition into a life of freedom more ways than one, a life of freedom, because uh, many of the people here, uh, you might know, that have been through their program and are different people because of it, because of Jesus, but because of their work as well. And, but you might not all know that, as Steve told me one time, he lived a life of running and ripping. 
And, and through that time, though, he had a mom who prayed and prayed and prayed for him and for Robin and didn't give up praying. And eventually, through those prayers and through the work of the Lord, Steve and Robin found their way back to God. And because of those prayers, there's many other people who know Jesus because of it. So the best advice I could give when it comes to this sort of ache that you may have, when it comes to your kids who might not be as connected as you would like them to be to Jesus, is just keep praying. And keep the door open. They know where you stand, right? They know what you believe. Keep the door open. God can use circumstances that you have no even control over. You have no imagination of what he can do to bring a child back home to him. The prodigal son was off in a faraway land and God used a famine and hitting rock bottom to bring him to his senses. And the son knew that his dad's door was open. So the only thing that you can pass on that's going to last forever is this legacy of faith in Jesus Christ. You know, we can build things and create things and accomplish things and possess things and then pass those things on to the, the next generation, the money, your fame, your name. But someday it's all going to be either owned by someone else or in a landfill. But there is one thing that you can pass on that will have eternal impact. And that's a legacy of faith in Jesus Christ. And if you have God strengthening the connections between one generation to the other, then you will be passing on an inheritance that will literally last for eternity. You know, the other hard questions that we've been learning and talking about over the last few weeks have been answered by the Word of God. We found the answers in the Bible. What's the point, as Pastor Noah was talking about, or Pastor uh, Pat was talking about, does, does God love us, or what's the rest of the story? But today's hard question, will it continue, is answered by you. What will it be that continues? So, since I'm a fan of analogies, there's one more uh, transition analogy that I have. This is a legit baton. Um, believe it or not, back in high school, I ran track and field. This is not the, the baton. But um, Todd Carley was our coach as, um, as our track and field uh, coach back at Beth in Bethesda, at Bethesda School. And today we're going to be passing the baton of the kids' ministry from me to Nate Visker. And this is, uh, so I'm going to ask Nate Visker to come up and Pastor Pat as well. 
This is, a, this is a, a real, like I said, a legit baton, but it's got the, the thread of Jesus running through it. And also, it's got these little charms. It's not like the biggest, most annoying bathroom key. <laughs> That's not what it is. Maybe some of you thought, thought, thought that. It's actually, it's got the cross of Jesus to um, symbolize the church. And it's got this series of home key fobs to symbolize the home. And no matter what home size home you have, what kind of home you have, kids' ministry can be a valuable and vital part of this connection between the church and home. And that's the legacy. And that's what I worked hard to try and pass down, but now I'm passing that baton on to Nate. And we're going to pray for Nate as well. And pray for the years ahead. And maybe someday when you pass the baton, the baton you can <laughs> the very, the very same thing, who knows? But, um, but we want to pass the, we want to do, have a, have a good handoff. When I ran track in high school, there was a time, I didn't remember it, but I was reminded when I was made, when I made a, friend, a Facebook friend, um, back when Facebook first started, I got logged on and I made a friend with one of the old high school friends, and he said, remember that time when you dropped the baton? <laughs> when you were passing it to me and you blew the whole race? I didn't remember that. But in track and field, when you have that relay race, there is a passing zone, a handoff zone, and you've got to hand off well. And they, the relay teams work on that. And that's what we've been working on for the past few months. And we want to pass the baton well. And this could be, and this just symbolizes this whole idea. We want to have a legacy of faith. And I just want to encourage you, no matter what your household situation is, pass that legacy of faith on well. God bless you. All right, Nate's, Nate's hanging on this baton with two hands. That's right. All right, thanks. Let's, let, 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 let's move over here to the middle. And come on, Rob, come, on, come around this side. And let's pray over Nate. Uh, I invite you all to stand. This has really been a beautiful morning. And one to remind us that uh, we, we do our best to do things with some thought and some prayer. Absolutely what, what Pastor Rob has encouraged to, to pray and not moving in haste, and will, will it continue? Yes, it will, right? And I invite you to uh, just pray with us as we close the service, but also just take a minute to, to pray over Nate as he steps into uh, this new area. Not that it's today that he's stepping in. He's been transitioning with Pastor Rob, and I think the future's bright. Let's pray. Lord, thank you once again for... Uh, Pastor Rob's legacy and all that he is, all that he has done and he is passing on. And Lord, we just commend it right now into the hands of Nate Visker as he is taking the leadership role there. And God, we ask and pray your blessing on him. We pray that you would instill in him wisdom. And we, we, we pray.
with that wisdom comes great, great, uh, just a great essence of you that gets put into the children and the kids' ministry. And Lord, as he has a heart, so not only for the kids, but for the parents as well, Lord, that you would pour into Nate and you would use him to his fullest capacity, God, that you would break out his talents and gifts for the kids here and for the parents here, Lord, that you would broaden this, Lord, and the things that we have seen Pastor Rob do, Lord, I just pray that Nathan's, Nathan's vision would now begin to be worked into this, God, like that fabric that Pastor Rob was talking about, the links that are made, Lord, may, may, may Nate's gifts and talents link in with what has been prepared, and God, you open up great things for the future here in your church. God, we just commend it to you. We pray you to hold up Nate and all of those that are working with him, all of those that are behind the scenes, all of those his McGillicuddies and such that have been helping. God, bless them and use them. And again, God, use this man as your leader in this ministry. Amen. And Lord, now bless your people. Bless them, Lord. Thank you for their hearts. Thank you for their support. Bless them as they go, Lord, as we celebrate uh, with Rob in our dining rooms. May you be a part of it, Lord. May your presence be there. Be evident, God, and help us all. Help us all as we leave here to know we're carrying something with us that's you, Jesus, and that we would do as we've been encouraged today. Just pass on that legacy, our faith to others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.